All right, let's pray. Bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray together. And then uh, we're going to jump into the word. Father, I love you. Lord, I'm grateful for Jesus. Lord, when I came to you, I had nothing to offer you, nothing except my sin, nothing except my shame, nothing except my own brokenness and darkness. And in exchange for that, you gave me life. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Lord, I'm grateful for this great church. I'm so humbled. I'm so amazed. I'm so blessed to be pastor of such a great church, such a great group of people. Father, I thank you for all you're doing in our midst and for these great men and women, these great children and teenagers and all you're doing among us. Father, our heart at this church is that you'd give us this city. Father, you'd give us the lost. You'd give us the hurting. You'd give us the broken. Father, that we'd reach Tulia. We'd reach Swisher County and that this city would be different because we're a light set upon a hill and that we would take the gospel to our friends and our neighbors and our family. And Father, I'm thankful for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I about snuck a preach there praying, amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Hey, down the street in our amazing Power Kids building, uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but we have a state-of-the-art high-def movie theater at Power Kids that we use every week for kids' ministry. We've been doing that down the street since 2011. We've been doing our ministry. We were across the street in the smaller building, and we used to always laugh and joke about how that building was small, and when you'd cram it full of kids, it smelled like pickle juice and kids sweating. And so, so we were so grateful to be able to move down to that building. <clears throat> well, about eight years before that, I was running errands one afternoon, and I was driving down the street in that direction. And at the time, that building was the Sixth and Gaines Church Christ. And I drove by that building, and as I did, I heard the Holy Spirit speak in my heart. And he spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. Now, I didn't hear him with my physical ears. I heard him with my heart. And here's what he said. He said, power kids will be in this building. Well, of course, I was excited and elated because we needed more room, and, and it stirred my heart, and I just thought, man, this is going to be incredible. So here's what I thought. Oh, it'll be about six months or a year, and we'll be in that building, and it'll be amazing. Little did I know that it would take about seven or eight years for the process to happen for us to move down there. Now, let me walk you just briefly through that eight years. I would have times where I would be incredibly encouraged and I'd be praying and I'd be excited and I'd be lifting up uh, prayer to God that we were moving down there. And then we even went down one time and took a picture of the sign. Now that sign says Power Kids now, but back then it said Church Christ. And so we took it and put it on the computer and we superimposed Power Kids on the sign. Well, I had it on a piece of paper and I would carry it around with me and I would have good days and I'd have bad days. And I'd have days where I'd be incredibly encouraged and I'd have days, one time I was so mad, I wadded up that piece of paper and I threw it in the trash because I was so mad. And I felt like, God, you're not ever gonna do what you said you're gonna do. I know there's some of you in here who felt like that very same way. Well, as that time went by, uh, one Sunday I was prompted to go down there and I went in and visited with them and they were a small, gracious group of people. And when I went in there, I introduced myself and I said, hey, would you have, would you, have you ever considered selling the building? Now, you know, that's, that can be offensive and they weren't offended. And I just went in and shared my heart with them. And the first time they talked to me, they said, yeah, we would like to sell it and we'd like $300,000 for the building. 
Well, it might as well have been $3 million, right? Because $300,000 was just a bathtub load of money. And uh, I thought, well, we'll never do it. It'll never happen. Well, as time went on and we talked to them and, and we prayed and cried out to God, uh, then they came back and said, well, we'll take $150,000 for it. And that was much better. Of course, that's much better. But at the time, it was still like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money. Well, we continued to pray and we continued to trust God. And one day, one of them called on the phone and they said, we want want to sell the building and we've tried to sell it to some other people in town and they talked to some other folks and here's what they told them they said we can't buy rusty's building that's rusty's building and i thought we hadn't even bought it yet and it's already our building amen and so uh we talked to them some more and they decided that they would allow us to buy it for seventy five thousand dollars so we purchased the building for $75,000. We borrowed $150,000. Then we had an extra 50000 and we put it together, and we invested $200,000 into our children's ministry down the street. And from 2011 till now, we have ministered to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids, and we invested $200,000 in that. Now, since that time, even before that time, I would easily be able to say to you this morning that we've easily spent over $400,000 in the last several years on Ground Zero and on Power Kids and using that money to do ministry. Now, here's what God told me. Years ago, God spoke to my heart and he said, if you'll take care of those who cannot take care of themselves, that would be kids and teenagers. If you'll take care of those who cannot take care of themselves, I will go to war for you. And I obeyed God, and we have, and because we have, he has. Now, here's what I know. God's taken care of us, and, and God has done amazing things. I want to remind you of a couple of things. We used to have one service on Sunday. This was it at 1045, and this was considered an amazing crowd at 1045, and it's still an amazing crowd. The only thing is we've had to add a whole other service. So we have a 9 o'clock and a 1045. Next week on the first Saturday, which we do once a month, God spoke to me several months ago, and he said, I want you to start having a service once a month on Saturday. So once a month, we have three services that weekend, and those services generally are full with people wanting to be ministered to. This past Christmas, we had our Christmas service at the high school auditorium. That high school auditorium seats 1,400 people. Now, we didn't have that many, and I'm not insinuating that we did, but we moved it there so we wouldn't have to have multiple services during the Christmas holidays. This coming Easter, which is going to be in April, I'm in talks with some folks. You know those little billboards right there by the Sonic? Everybody knows where those little billboards are. Well, they're coming this next week, and they're gonna use one of, we're going to use one of those billboards, and we're putting our Easter dates on that billboard so everybody in town can go by and see when we're having Easter, which is going to be in April. And we're going to do four services. Now, I can remember when we would have one service on Easter. I remember particularly one Easter and we had 132 people. And I was so excited because we had 132 people on Easter. Well, with the overflow room, that weekend, we're gonna have the capacity to reach 800 people Easter weekend and to give them the gospel. Amen, you wanna clap? Go ahead, amen. Now, here's what I want you to know this morning. God is moving and you and I are right in the middle of it. 
God is moving supernaturally by his spirit, and you and I are right in the middle of it. The song we sang this morning says to get in the river. I don't know if you've ever been to New Brunswick, Texas. I've been there, and through that town is the Camel River, and it's absolutely amazing there. I've prayed for years that God would let me pastor in New Brunswick, and all I ever hear is Tulia. So I don't get to go there, amen? I get to go and hang out every once in a while. But if you've ever been in a river before, you know how amazing it is to float down a river. Listen, spiritually, you and I are right in the river, and God is flowing, and God is moving, and we're right in the midst of it. I want to read to you this morning in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 17. Now, before I read, let me explain to you this story. Jesus has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead, and he's ascended to heaven. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go to a room, an upper room in a house, and I want you to wait there. And while you wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you. And in that story, they waited and they prayed. And it says that the Holy Spirit came. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. The scripture says, as they begin to speak in other tongues, they flowed out of that room, down the stairs, and out into the street. Now, the Spirit of God is moving on this group, and they're praying, and they're speaking in tongues, and they're laughing, and they're rejoicing in God, and a crowd gathers around them, and they think they're drunk. They think they've been drinking. And one of them says, well, they can't be drunk because it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. But listen to me. They were drunk, but they weren't drunk with old wine. They were drunk with new wine. And they were impressed by how God was moving on these people. Then Peter steps up and he quotes some verses out of the Old Testament book of Joel. And I want to read you those verses. It says in Acts 2, 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, you and I entered the last days. You were born in the last days. So let me continue. In the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Listen to me. You and I are seeing the fulfillment of that verse right in our midst. God is moving on us as a church. He's moving on us as a people. Let me explain to you. God moved in my generation. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I'm a baby boomer, and that's when we had the hippies and the free love movement and free drugs and hate Ashbury and Woodstock. And God moved on my generation and drew our hearts out of darkness out of oppression, out of sin, out of brokenness, out of drunkenness, out of debauchery, out of adultery. I can go on and on and on. And God drew my generation out of that into the light. Now, not everybody in my generation said yes to Jesus, but a whole lot of us have. Now, God's moving on the next generation. That generation, whatever you want to call it, it can be the millennials, it can be anybody else, but God's moving on the next generation. He moved on my parents' generation, he moved on my generation, and he's moving on the next generation. Listen, God is moving. Here's what I want you to understand about our church. 
One thing we are is multi-generational. What does that mean? That means God's moving on us and God's moving on those of you in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, and your 40s. We're a multi-generational church. God is moving on the kids. God is moving on the teenagers. Listen, we don't have 100 teenagers in Ground Zero because we have a pool table and video games. We have 100 kids in that ministry because God is moving on their hearts and drawing them to the light. Here's the next thing we are. We're a multiracial church. We're not all one color. We're not all one background. We are a picture of the kingdom of God. And that's exactly the way it's supposed to be, right? The Bible says that out of every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and every nation, when we get to heaven, the kingdom is going to be a part of everybody that came out of the world that knew Christ. So we're multi-generational and we're multiracial, and that's exactly how God wants it. Now, here's what I want you to see next. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for saying yes to Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for being faithful to the call of God on your life. I want to say thank you for you getting up and coming to church this morning. I want to say thank you for being faithful. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for giving of your money. Thank you for being involved. Listen, I couldn't step up here and say we've spent $400,000 on teenagers and youth if you hadn't listened to God and you hadn't given. So I want to stop right here, and I want you to know how grateful I am for you, how proud I am of you, and how I love serving God with you. Listen, it's not me. It's us. Amen? We are making a difference in this community. Why? Because we've said yes to Jesus, because you've said yes. Now, I'm going to show you some verses this morning, and I want to make you aware of God's promises that belong to you. All right? Those of you that give, and I know, I'm believing with all my heart that it's the majority of you. I want to show you three promises because you've been giving. God has made some promises to you, and I want to make you aware of them. The first one I want to read is in Proverbs eleven twenty four, and I'm reading out of the New King James Bible. <clears throat> Listen to what this says. It says, there is one who scatters. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let me get a drink. I'm preaching. All right, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, let me explain something to you very simple and very powerful. Let me show you with my hand what faith looks like. That is not faith. That is. See, sometimes we think faith is hanging on. And listen, you don't have to hang on. Faith is letting go and letting God move. See, whatever resources God has given you, sometimes you have that feeling of, I gotta hang on to it. But the Bible very plainly says that you can hang on too tightly and it comes to poverty. But when you let go and you release, it says God will bless you. Listen to it. It says in verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich. Anybody in here wanna be rich? probably everybody, right? The generous soul will be made rich. And here's my favorite part. He who waters will also be watered himself. Now listen to me very carefully. Here's what that promise is saying to you and I. I'm grateful for your giving. And that verse says that when you give, that money is used to minister to children, minister to teenagers, minister to men, 
minister to women, minister to families. It's multi-generational. It's multi-racial. And God says, when you give, when you water somebody else, God promises that he will water you. So when you water other people's children, your children are going to be watered. Your grandchildren are going to be watered. Your marriage is going to be watered. Your business and your job is going to be watered. As you water others, God promises to you that he is going to water you. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. Let me show you the next verse. The next verse is Luke 6.38. Jesus is speaking and he says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Imagine this morning if I had on an apron, and I reached down and got the corners, and I pulled it up. And when I pulled it up, it made like a low part right here. And imagine then God pouring into that apron or your bosom. And what does the scripture say? It says it'll be poured in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will God pour into your bosom. That promise belongs to you because you're a giver. Then the next thing he says is, with the same way you measure it out, it'll be measured to you. Let me explain to you what that means. At our house, we have this cute little spoon, and it belongs to my granddaughter, and it's a little baby spoon, and it's covered in blue, uh, not plastic, maybe blue rubber. It's soft. So it doesn't have any rough edges. And so when she's in the high chair, you can feed her with that little spoon. Now, she really doesn't use that little spoon as much as she used to, but it's little and cute and petite. And so when I would feed her baby food, you know, I'd feed her a bite, and then I'd take a bite. And then I'd feed her a bite, and then I'd take a bite. All right, and that spoon is so little, it'd take a lot of bites. Now, not for her, but for me, right? Okay. All right, that scripture says that if that's the way I give is with that tiny little spoon, then that's the same way it's measured back to me. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we can be frustrated with God because we think, hey, God, you're not taking care of us and you're not moving. And listen, you see, it's not God's choice. It's our choice. See, God is bound to measure to us the way we measure out. Now, just imagine if I had a grain scoop this morning. You know those aluminum shovels that they use to move grain? And probably everybody's seen one of those, and they're big and full. Well, imagine measuring with that. Then God uses the same shovel to measure back to you. Now, imagine, you know, Greg Birkenfeld at Soulmender, they have those large uh, yellow front-end loaders. They're huge. You know, the tires on them are this tall. Imagine if one of those was out front this morning, and it was filled with God's blessing, and God's gonna pour that on you as you go out. Here's what I want you to see. The promise is this. The way you measure, it's measured back to you. And God said, I'll fill you to overflowing, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Let me show you another promise. I'm gonna go to 2 Corinthians 9. Now, I've shown you two promises that belong to you because you're giving. I wanna encourage you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Listen to what it says. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But the one who plants generously gets a generous crop. Now, everybody understands that. If I plant 10 acres of corn and you plant 100 acres of corn, the 100-acre plant gets more than the 10-acre plant. The point is, again, the same thing. 
The size of seeds you sow is the size of harvest you get back. Listen to it. Remember this, a farmer who plants a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously gets a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't miss this. And God will generously provide all you need. Let me read it to you again. God will generously provide all all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now, here's what I've done this morning. I've shown you three powerful promises, excuse me, that belong to you as a giver. Listen, we couldn't do what we do without you giving. Now, Remember back in the beginning, I said we borrowed $150,000 to do Power Kids with the other money we had? All right, that note is $18,500. That's all we owe on that note. Now, the, yeah, amen, go ahead. You want to clap, you can, amen. <clears throat> the building we're in right now, we own. It's paid for. <clears throat> Across the street, that lot next to Jane Charlotte, we own that. Across the street over here is Ground Zero, the old Power Kids building where Miss Vicki has her office, and then the gas station next door, uh, we own all of that. Behind there, there was some land owned by another man, and there used to be a building back there. And we had an opportunity to buy that land, and we bought that land. Then the building that was on that property, we gave it to Russ Proctor. He's a carpenter here in town. I know probably many of you know him, and he needed that building, and we gave it to him. Pastor White, we give it to him because the Bible says the generous soul will be blessed. Now, let me explain something to you about giving that will really help you. You see, if I have something and I sell it, I get the money from selling it one time, correct? But when I sow something, I get harvest after harvest after harvest. The Bible says it will come back on you over and over again. So we invested that building, gave that building to him. He paid to move it, but we gave it to him. Now, down the street at Power Kids, the building we have down there, we only owe $18,500. And all of this property will belong to us. It already all does, except for that down there. And all we owe is $18,000, a little over that $18,500. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want to thank you for giving. Here's what I know about the body of Tulia Christian Fellowship. I know there's not anybody in this church that you're a part of this church family that you don't give. I know that. I don't believe anybody comes to this church and sits in our services week after week and, and doesn't give. Now, I know there's probably people who visit and they don't give, and that's okay. I think we have people who maybe come every once in a while and they don't give. But I, I know with all my heart, we're family, and I know every one of you are involved in one way or another with giving. I want to share three things with you to help you and to encourage you. I want to call them the myths of giving. Here's the first one. The first myth is, well, you know, pastor, there's four or five wealthy families in the church, and I know they'll take care of it. Now, if I were to stop right here in the service and say, those of you that are rich, please stand. Now, I, I know you, I, I, would, I could stand and say, hey, I'm rich. I'm blessed with my marriage. I'm blessed with my children and my granddaughter. I, I'm rich in more ways than not. But in the sense that, well, I have all this money and, I, and I'm wealthy and I'm rich, no one probably would stand up. So one of the myths of giving is, well, there's a few rich folks in church and I don't have to do anything because they'll take care of it. 
And that's not true. That's not true. Here's the second myth. The second myth is, well, my small amount doesn't matter. Hey, pastor, I can give $20, and that $20 doesn't make any difference, and that's a lie. Listen, here's what the devil wants to do to you as a Christian. He wants to tell you that you don't matter, and your service doesn't matter, and your giving doesn't matter, and it's a lie. All right, probably many of you have heard this saying, many hands make light loads. All right, people who give faithfully $10, people who give faithfully $20, people who give faithfully $50, listen, that matters and it makes a difference in the kingdom of God and that money adds up. Don't you believe the lie? Well, I can't give, a, man, I can't give $1,000 or I can't write a $500 check and so I'm just not gonna do anything because that's not how the kingdom operates. Here's the third thing. Okay, oh, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. All right, I was in Amarillo not very long ago and, you know, Vicky and I, you've probably done it too. You've had that conversation that you think, man, you know, if we could win the lottery, this is what we would do. Y'all probably had that conversation. At our house, we talk about where we we're going to live and how many houses we're going to buy. And then we get to fighting, right? And then we get mad because she wants to live somewhere I don't want to live. And then we get all done and we're glad we didn't win the lottery. Okay, right? And, and we've done that before. And now, here's what I thought. I thought, man, if I could win the lottery, man, I'd love to build a brand new YMCA. I'd love to build a swimming pool in town. I'd like to put a splash pad at the park for the kids. Uh, I can think of all these things I'd like to do in this community, all right? And, and those are good, noble thoughts. Well, one time, not very long ago, we're in Amarillo, and I stopped at Toot and Totem to get something. I've never bought a lottery ticket in my life, never. When I go into the store, I'm spending my money on candy. I'm spending my money on something to drink. I'm not buying a lottery ticket, right? But, and, I, and, I, and I don't even know how to buy one. But I go up to the counter, and for whatever reason, I said to the lady, how do you buy a lottery ticket? She said, well, you hand me a dollar, and I'll give you a piece of paper. And so I bought one. Now, the reason God had me buy one is so I could never get up here and brag again that I've never bought one because now I've bought one. And so I got home with it, and Vicky, Vicky said, hey, where'd you put that? Well, I put it on the table. You know, I didn't want to lose it. It was worth millions, right? And so, so the next morning, I got up, and it was Saturday, and Vicky said, hey, have you had a chance to look at that? I said, no. So I got online, and here's what I found out. Not one single number matched. Not one single number match. All right, so I've spent my first dollar and my last dollar on the lottery. Now, now here's what I know. Why are you telling me that, Pastor? Because you see, God doesn't want to do something through the lottery, and I know you know that. And God doesn't want to do something through one person. God wants to do it through all of us because we're family, because we're the body of Christ, and every single one of us matter Every single one of us make a difference. And God wants to use all of us. Here's what I know. God's doing amazing things in our midst. I know as I look across this room, God is changing your lives and changing your families. I know he is. I see it every single day. And here's what I know. I love being a part of what God is doing. And I know you do too. And I want to encourage you to stand on the promises of God. I want to encourage you to stay in the river. I want to encourage you to get in the boat. Listen, I know people who've lost lots of money in investments. And I'm not telling you not to invest. I don't know a lot about it. And I'm not afraid to tell you that I don't. But I know people who've lost lots and lots of money looking for that sure deal, looking for that place to put money to make more money. Here's what I know. The kingdom of God is a good investment. 
You see, when you give to church, it's not like giving to the Red Cross. And I love the Red Cross, and that's a good, noble thing. But when you give in church, listen, you're involved in God's business. You're involved in God's kingdom. And you see teenagers change. You see children change. You see marriages restored. You see people get peace in their mind. You see people find help in their bodies physically. And you and I are making that happen by the grace of God. So here's what I want to encourage us. Here's what I want to do. All right? We're not going to do anything this morning. I'm not doing that. But I would like to see us in the next few months pay that $18,000 off. And I want us to believe God and you pray and I'm going to pray. And let's trust God that in just the next few months, we knock that off. We get it done. And then everything that we have is ours and God's and that we all own it. And that God continues to do what he wants to do in this place. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all stand up and we're going to pray. Father God, I love you. I'm thankful for this great church and this great body of believers. I'm thankful for all you're doing in our midst. It's amazing to see the harvest. It's amazing to see you pour your spirit out. Now, Father, we want to lift up the rest of that note to you, that $18,500. And God, I want to pray that that note is paid off. Father, that you'd speak to each of us, all of us included, and that we would ask you what you'd have us to do, what part we could do. And that, Father God, in the next coming weeks, the next coming months, that note's paid off. And I can get up here and say it's paid for and we're out of debt and it's completely done and everything we have belongs to you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I'm thankful for what you're doing in our lives and that that note is taken care of. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you. You guys be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend as you go.